1: This episode of the Manage Immigrant Podcast is brought to you by the Beverly Hilton. This summer, dive into the Beverly Hilton's iconic past and present. From golden hour and 1950s inspired cocktails to live music, exclusive poolside events and partnerships, this is the summer you've been waiting for. Follow in the footsteps of Hollywood's elite and become part of their legacy when you book your summer stay at the Beverly Hilton Listeners. For those of you guys traveling to Los Angeles for Realm Madrid's preseason game at the Rose Bowl in July, make sure to book your stay at the Beverly Hilton. Uh, On that note, link to book your spot to our podcast in Houston is in the show notes. Do that before July 1st. Coming up is a really fun episode that I really enjoyed recording and I think you'll enjoy listening to. Seb Stafford Bloor of the Athletic and Tifo Football joined the podcast to discuss his article over on The Athletic about Jude Bellingham. Well worth the read, and uh, we kind of did a deep dive on on what he wrote about Bellingham, and I think you're going to come away with some really cool tidbits and uh, even more than you already have been impressed with Jude Bellingham, the human, and not just the footballer. Also on the website today, my column on Real Madrid's next striker, who will the number nine go to if not Jose Lu, because obviously Jose Lu got number 14, and uh, huge Bellingham visual analysis by Yash Sakur is also pinned on the website. Go check that out. All right, without further ado, here is the podcast with Seb. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog, they're wonderful lads to do a great job there, and worth reading about that man there. The numbers reveal wide. Times ended up almost looking like a 6 3 1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Managing Major Podcast. I'm your host, Keon Subani. we got a special guest on today's show. Seb Stafford Bloor, football writer and head of Tifo Football's Illustrated Channel, also a writer for The Athletic. Um, all of those brilliant Tifo Football videos you see animated perfectly, uh, narrated beautifully with an incredible voice. A lot of that is um, orchestrated by Seb. And uh, it's a pleasure to have Seb on the show because he wrote a banger of an article about Jude Bellingham, which we'll go through. Uh, but I did want to introduce Seb and also just welcome him on his managing Jude podcast debut. Seb, welcome, man. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great, Kian. Thank you very much for having me.
1: I did have Joe on. I think it must have been a couple years ago. Maybe I don't know if it was during the pandemic. Joe, yeah. uh came on. And he kind of like talked about the history of FIFA football and. And I got to say like the following the evolution of it has been really amazing. And I remember saying this to Joe a couple years ago that it's very rare that you see a YouTube video about football, which is such a it can be such a polarizing thing. Like people argue all the time about football, but TV football like if you go in the comments, it's just like unanimously universally loved. Everyone's like this is amazing. It's just great work, and I in I have a lot of admiration for the way you guys tell the stories and present it. So, congratulations on setting up an incredible channel, man!
0: Uh that's really generous. Well, most credit goes to Joe because it's Joe's idea and his execution, and I kind of uh, done my bit over the years. But it's um, yeah, he's uh, he's, he's been our fearless leader. Um, but and we do we do have a few dissenting voices in the comment section, but we never try and provoke people. I think that's kind of that's kind of our aim is just to be um. Uh, informative when we can and entertaining we don't try and um, we don't try and get people to rage or anything like that or we're not um, we're not one of those but um, no that's very very kind it's lovely to hear too thank you
1: So you wrote an article <clears throat> I guess it was last week and it's entitled Jude Bellingham is different a portrait of Ray Madrid's new yeah. superstar uh, I would urge everyone to go read it I'll link in the show notes and I think a lot of people listening to this have probably already, Read it. Um, you know, we have a Discord channel, and I, I I saw this article being shared and commented on in our Discord channel, and people really enjoyed it. I think it's impossible to go through the entire article because it's quite lengthy, and you can see like a lot has has gone into the the work with the research and and the people you've gotten to speak about it, including academy coaches from when Bellingham was younger. So, I won't do that. Uh, people should go read it. Um and and I think this what this profile was interesting, Seb, because it goes a lot into his Birmingham days and his yeah. upbringing. And I've just kind of highlighted some some p- parts of the article which really stood out to me. but i I guess I just wanted to start with this question. Um, is there anything specific that spurred you to write about this topic and focus on this angle of Bellingham? It's a great question
0: um. I don't think so i think when i was asked to do the profile i think as with any topic like this i think you want to do justice to the human being you want to be fair and you also want to recognize what goes into the production and the makeup of a professional footballer because i think uh over time i think because we're all you know we, we all have so amazing resources at our disposal just as fans right so you know you can go on FBRF or he scored or you know opta like so over time, as a result of all these things, a a football player can become a kind of an aggregation of data um, and it becomes really easy because of the stardom these guys have and the celebrity and the stage they perform on. Particularly a club now like Real Madrid, it's almost, it gives footballers almost a a holographic quality. Um, And I suppose um, it also suits my personality. I'm not a tactics writer. I'm not hugely interested in that. And I, I, um, the actual sort of cut and thrust of games is important but i think what what really interests me is the people and the way they react to changing circumstances and the way they handle things and i i think what's what's interesting about jude bellingham is that for as long as most people can remember um great things have been expected of him and at every stage of his career despite all these sort of external forces many of which we're not really party to as Fans, media, writers, whatever, because they happen behind closed closed doors. They happen in, you know, when when family members, um, mothers and fathers, are ferrying, you know, boys to training and making all the sacrifices that any family makes and any in any sport for any 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 aspiring professional. Um, but at, at every challenge that he's faced, he's kind of conquered, and his rise has been amazing, and his ability to handle expectations and to, I think, to. To, I hope this doesn't sound too too corny or trite, but one of the things, and and when when you're writing an article like this, some of the things, some of the people you speak to provide you quotes, others are just there to provide background. And it's one of the first times I can remember speaking to people and universally people praised the person. They talked Mm -hmm. about how humble he was and um, how well brought up he was and is, sorry, and also how Little things like when the people at Birmingham City who weren't necessarily fundamental to the kind of the technical development of his career, so club staff, people like that, you know, he he sort of, his behaviour around those kind of people was exemplary, which... Isn't always the case, as I'm sure you know, like you you sometimes you do hear stories, unfortunately, about young stars. You have a little bit of an ego about them and, a, you know, a develop a little bit of premature gravitas. And this isn't one of those players. This is uh, just a very decent, humble, well brought up person. And um, I feel like that's always, it feels very, very important. But I, I dug into that because I think that the next stage of his career will other things will become more important. What he produces. Real Madrid, you either win or you, it doesn't really matter, right? That's my kind of understanding of the club. I've never covered football in Spain, only England and Germany. But, um, yeah, so I wanted to sort of describe those things while the chance existed, I think.
1: I think that's part of the reason why I enjoyed your article was that it focused on who he is because so mm-hmm. much of like our work with getting to know Bellingham before signing him was focused on his scouting report as a footballer. Okay, he can do this, mm-hmm. he can play in this yeah. position and that position and this. these are his strengths. This is how he helps the team. But we, you know, like I'll speak for myself. I didn't know that much about who he is. Um, and yeah. I think one of the things we were blown away with, and I think a lot of the media, in Madrid and Spain were kind of blown away as well, was during his presentation, we were like, oh, this guy is like, has a presence. He's classy, he's well-spoken, um, he's humble. And uh, I think that that he he was just really impressive. He was an impressive figure sitting there and giving great quotes, not nervous at all, like very confident in himself. Um, and I we were just kind of impressed of uh, who he is. And uh, so much of the dialogue around Real Madrid's Champions League success last season when they had those comebacks and they won the Champions League was about team unity and how there's not egos, there's no egos in the locker room. The leaders are Modric, the leaders are Benzema, Cruz. These guys don't have like this, this baggage. And I think Bellingham fits in with you know, Kamavinga is another one that we recently signed. Too many have they all have mm-hmm. these traits in common, which is nice. And I think that is an undervalued thing. Like, again, there is no like you said, you brought up football reference and there is no line, you know, 99th percentile and charisma or or humility. Right. And I, those are things that are, are a little bit immeasurable. But as you said, you can kind of measure it in you speak to everyone and he's universally loved. So I thought that was really cool to see. Um
0: I think also, like one of the the things, like you're 100% right. There's no 99th percentile for character humility. But also, it's worth saying that I I think it's a real privilege to be able to go and watch live football these days, you know, because of geography, because of cost, these things, these opportunities aren't available to everybody. And so they don't, people don't get the chance to, for instance, um, stand in the stadium when G. Bellingham's playing in front of the yellow wall at Dortmund. And I remember. I think you can tell a lot about a footballer from those moments. You can tell how their own supporters respond to them and how, you know, what someone can handle. So for instance, um, for those who haven't been to the Westfalenstadion in in Dortmund, um, 80,000 people, it's loud and it's everything that you think it is on TV. And I remember the first time I saw him play there, um, the way that he almost, and this was referenced um, by Stefan who I spoke to in the article, the way he kind of conducts the crowd and the way that there's that sort of, there's that bond between him and them, which is, is very interesting. It's also very rare for a young guy who, um, well, English footballers don't typically travel very well. Some, some have to Dortmund recently, sure, but historically no. And yet, um, his ability to handle that. And I'd say a fierce old place, Dortmund, I know it's not Real Madrid, but, um, it's no, um, it's no small club. And, and I think you can tell, um, yeah a, a lot about what a player represents and and what he means to a club and and um that's often a reflection of who they are as a as a person but also what their playing personality is and, and I think these things are really important and they always will be um I think that if you if you look at sort of Real Madrid's what you probably describe as the kind of the next generation of Real Madrid's uh midfield so that sort of the post Modric Cruz era like into a many and Camavinga, you've got guys there are no character problems there right there's no there's no controversy and there's no baggage. These are just good footballers, but also good human beings as well, uh, by all accounts, um, that's, as, as far as I'm aware. Um, and Bellingham is very much in that category. So I have to believe that this is part of, you know, as, 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 as elaborate as his technical abilities are like, it's, um, this is a kind of an equal part, I'm sure of the attraction.
1: Well, you you mentioned this in your article, too. Because um, <clears throat> there's like, you didn't outright say this but this is kind of how I interpreted it as when when you know you're talking about his humility. Yeah. Uh, but the way I interpreted it um your article was that you know you can't really mistake the humility for for weakness or meekness because no. and you brought up the example where he talks about the referee who has the match fixing. And yeah. uh and Yeah, he well he he
0: what he'd, 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 he so just jump in can uh, just he was that referee Felix Fire in um, in the Bundesliga, he was uh, there was a, a match-fixing scandal in two thousand and six in Germany, and uh, one referee was banned for life. Um, and as Felix Fire was um, found to have uh, taken a cash payment from that referee, he was never found guilty of altering um, or impacting games, but he was he exists under the suspicion of that controversy uh, all those years ago. That's what Jude Heyn was alluding to.
1: So you said that. Um... There's a combative side of his personality that yeah. should serve him well in Madrid. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit?
0: Yeah, so I think what's important is that we talk about turn around words like humility a lot so far, but um he knows exactly how good he is. Um and I think you can tell that by his demeanor on the pitch. Um by his confidence on the ball. Uh this is not um this is not someone that will struggle with what life is probably like at Real Madrid um this is somebody who knows I think one of the reasons why I mean and I think you're right you observe the kind of the comfort in front of the cameras during his unveiling at Real Madrid I think one of the reasons why that's probably easy for someone like that is well he know he belongs there because he's good enough to be there like he's not he's not going there to be intimidated by lining up alongside Modric Cruz Sure, many kind of England because uh, I'm sure he has plenty of healthy respect for these people, but um this is his platform in the game. And and I think what became evident at Dortmund very, very quickly, um, it's worth remembering that uh G Belling was the the youngest captain and uh the youngest player to captain a, a Bundesliga team in the history of the league, mm. um, which is an amazing thing. But also when a teenager comes to a foreign country and they're willing to kind of hold their teammates to a certain standard or if they don't meet that standard, to tell them and to point it out pretty um, uh, pretty obviously and pretty firmly. Uh, I think that speaks to kind of what your own professional standards are. And uh, I, I think that's something you have to be equipped with um, at Real Madrid. Like for from the outside, it does look like a harsh environment. It's not a place for self-doubt. Uh, in fact, there are plenty of players there who... I always think of Rafa van der Vaart, actually, um, in terms of what happens to gifted players who don't fully believe they're good enough to be there. Um Wesley Schneider, maybe another one. Um, like these guys who have all the technical ability in the world, but probably not the kind of the that sort of um ice vein conviction. Uh that I see in Bellingham, like it, there's no sort of thing in football as a straight arrow. It just isn't. Um, but you look at kind of what's likely to happen and you know how how equipped somebody is to be um to be in certain situations and it's a, it's a perfect match. It's a perfect match. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's been very interesting to see. Um, I, I don't think I've ever seen it so quickly. as like a, a player grow into a leadership role, um, at a new club so quickly. And, uh, it, uh, when, when they're so young too, um, it's, um, it's very rare and it's something that you tend to notice. Um,
1: a lot of these things, I mean, these are, these are great signs for coming to a, a- Club like Real Madrid, where you need to yeah. handle pressure. Obviously, there's no sure things in football. You never know. Uh, Bellingham seems to be different, Um yeah. And hopefully, he is. There was a few things, and and you mentioned the captaincy at Dortmund. You also mentioned in your article that uh, Birmingham actually retired the 22 shirt. Yeah. And I, that blew my mind. I actually didn't know that. I mean, that's an incredible thing to do for a player who left the club at such an early age. It's not like. You know diego maradona you know this is um i mean did that does that strike you as just a little bit crazy that they would do that for a player his yeah
0: so so yes i think it did for everybody because um in england it doesn't really exist in the culture in the same way that it does in for instance u.s sport right i know it's, a, it's still an honor but um for instance uh, the Manchester United number seven shirt has never been retired. It's been worn by Best and Beckham and, um, and Cristiano Ronaldo, and you know it, it just doesn't happen in football, and it definitely doesn't happen to players who are sixteen. Um, so I remember when I heard that, thinking, you know, it's, it's kind of eyebrow raising, right? Like it's, and I, I think a lot of people in the sort of the English football um, industrial complex um, had a bit of fun at Birmingham's expense and sort of laughed at them a little bit. But actually, the more I learned about it um, and the more I kind of challenged my own ignorance about what he meant to the city of Birmingham and the people there, the more I kind of understand it. Like, I, it's still a bit strange. I don't think there's any getting away from that, but I get the gesture. It feels like, to me, and this is just my interpretation of Ikian, uh, is that um, they knew where he was headed. Um, and also, hey, listen, put it in its right context. Jude Bellingham um, was born 15 miles from Birmingham. Jude Bellingham is a son of the Black Country itself, which is um uh, gets its name from being part of the old industrial heartland um in the West Midlands in, in the UK, for people that, that don't know the geography. Um is very important in the same way that it is for any, any club, like a young player comes through. Also, Birmingham City have their their modern history, their recent history is extremely troubled. They've had some very difficult times with owners. Um, which is a, a podcast of its own probably, um, very difficult financial situations and Bellingham, Bellingham. I suppose if you put him in the centre of all of that, he's your local boy made good he is, and I'm sure he'll prove this, he is going to probably be one of the most talented English players of all time um, once his career is up, like in terms of where he's expected to be um, he exists in that kind of Rooney stratosphere in in the sense that People knew about him before he'd even played a game. Like People knew the name before they'd watched him play or, scored him score a, or saw him score a goal or anything like that or before Dortmund or for Real, of course. Um, and so when you add all of those things together, um, you kind of you create a player that means an awful lot to a club and to a part of the world and to, as I said earlier, to a lot of the people that came into contact with him. And so it's strange, but... It's kind of touching. I mean I think I feel like there's a lot of cynicism in football, rightly. There should be. But um sometimes it's okay for earnest things to to exist. Um and that's one of them whether it's for everybody's taste I don't know, but um I can understand it a bit more having learned a little bit about it. Mm.
1: Um one of the 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 parts of the article that I that I thought was really cool to read was about his coachability and that he's open to I don't know if criticism's the right word but at least the challenge of improving yeah. certain aspects of the game so there's that quote from Pep Clotet yeah. is that how you say his last name Clotet? Yes yes, yes. Yeah. obviously as his coach in a variety of places and he was at Birmingham uh, at the time that Bellingham was there and he has a quote he says quote he's very very easy to work with because he has high standards and puts high expectations on his own work and Um, Coltet later goes on to say, it was only ever a matter of challenging him. When he did Mm -hmm. something bad, I could tell him. I could say, Jude, that's not good. That's not what we want. He would just say, you're right. We'll see tomorrow. Straight away, he would make it better. He'd recognize the mistake, then solve it and sort it. Jude gets respect from everyone because he puts in all the effort and mentality and gets results. Um, I'm curious to know what those things to improve are, are at Real Madrid. I don't know if that's necessarily the point of the podcast, but did you... Get a sense of, like, what he is. I mean, in the article you you mentioned, you know, his ability to play multiple positions. Um, Yeah. What could he improve on at Real Madrid, do you think?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I suppose the the right way to answer it is to remember that when when he arrived at Dortmund, I think if people reflected on that now, they would say he developed quicker than everybody really anticipated him, anticipated that he would. He also arrived at a time where Dortmund... Um, Dortmund's midfield was not necessarily in a pretty in a good shape like it, it, it wasn't sort of the midfield that Jurgen Klopp had 10 years ago for instance and um, whilst uh, towards the end of last season you know with Emre Chan as the pivot um, and kind of offering protection like it, it was balanced and Julian Brandt was playing really well and all these things but in the beginning Bellingham it felt watching him as if he was trying to play all the positions at the same time because he was the most gifted player and he's sort of aware of it. And also he's young and inexperienced and, um, it was his first exposure to actual top flight football. He never played in the Premier League. He'd only played something like 40 championship games, which is the second tier in England. Um, it's a huge leap up. Um, and also, uh, you got the impression that with all of this ability and particularly creative ability and, uh, technical ability on the ball came this desire to, to be impactful all the time. Um, so I think there's a little bit of that left in him. I think sometimes he takes risks where he maybe shouldn't, but then that's a responsibility that that, um, that Real Madrid hold. You, you have to, if you want to make the most out of a player like Jude Bellingham, you have to create the um, the parameters within which he operates. So you need to provide a bit of security behind. You need to make sure that the players uh, ahead of him can benefit from his sort of his passing vision off both feet all those kind of things fullbacks are in the right position etc etc um whether he could play as the deepest man in the midfield i don't know i don't know if his positioning is quite there yet um so there are some rough edges but then that's what real madrid are buying is like the ability to kind of to take this set of attributes and create something around him and i mean look I, i don't know if this is correct i'm sure you'll correct me if i'm wrong but um it seems like real madrid have the players at the club now where they could select the same three or four guys for the next eight years in midfield um potentially i know football often doesn't kind of work out like that but that would be the idea is to create permanent homes for for and many bellingham um still got Ferdi Valverde there of course you know um and allow him to kind of specialize because i don't think he never he, ever, he got the opportunity to do that at Dortmund towards the end but I think a lot of his career was defined by what they didn't have. And I, that's kind of reflected in the fact that they were only really competitive for the league in his final season. And then, of course, he, he got injured towards the end, sadly. But um, so having a strength of... And the other thing to remember is that Jude Bellingham has shown sort of these these abilities with a good set of teammates around him, but not exceptional. Like, I would say in that Dortmund side, Branton is an exceptional player, Royce was might not be anymore. Chan is a very good player. Max was behind him. Adi Amy is a developing player rather than exceptional one already. Daniel Marlin is a good player without being an exceptional one. Sebastian Hilaire, great story, good player, not Erling Haaland, right? um So a lot of the discovery is yet to come because you said you put him in a team with Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo, um, Hosselu. Still don't quite understand that, but okay. But too many Kamavinga, like these guys. This is a. I I think it's kind of um, if that's the prism, uh, if that's the kind of the the way to multiply someone's influence. Imagine what you could do with someone who is as talented as Jude Bellingham.
1: Yeah, that's the hope. You surround him with even better players. Although, like you know. If Realmjad don't get a striker, then maybe Bellingham's assist numbers won't look too flashy next sure. season. I'm not sure how that's going to go. We'll see. Me
0: neither. Me neither. <laughs> that's a weird one. I, I saw Hosley play at Stoke. So I'm sure he's got a lot better since then. But like.
1: <laughs> well, the hope for Realmjad fans is that Lu is going to be the backup and not the starting striker. Right. But right. Who, who's,
0: who's supposed to be the nine next season?
1: The guy that. We've been uh, flirting with really? for three, four years. We, so, the school.
0: expectation is that it's going to happen, really? I don't know. Okay.
1: You never know with this kind of stuff. I mean, like, you just can't predict it. But that's what's being written in the Spanish press and right. some of the French press. And then also, um, you know, but we we know it's going to be somebody because uh, it has to be. It'll have to be somebody. Post didn't get the number nine. So, the, no one in the squad has the right. number nine. So, that's right. He uh, 14, is he? We need to see who that, who that player is. Um, I did want to ask you this to close the podcast, because in the article you kind of lead with the chart that shows Bellingham as the third, or sorry, second most expensive British player of all time. Obviously, we know Gareth Bale was in the top three, Grealish is number one. Yeah. There is this, and you mentioned it at the top of the podcast, this idea that not all English players succeed abroad. With Ray Madrid, we've had several. And I think generally speaking, um, I mean, Bale was a success yep. Beckham was well loved in Madrid and I think played really well, despite it being a, a signing for marketing purposes. Initially, um, Owen was a weird one cause we didn't need him, but he actually had a pretty good goal. Score okay. ratio. Yeah, he was, he was, okay. was right. um, yeah. Cunningham was fantastic, uh, although though he had injury yeah. concerns um you guys did a great video about cunningham actually at tivo football i think a couple of years ago or so
0: there's a great book about him by the way if you can dig that out i forget the the, the um the the, the the title but um if anybody um yeah it's a lovely story about Laurie cunningham but um yeah his life yeah. story is worth telling too yeah
1: yeah and and it's a it's a story worth consuming and reading and learning about because he's an incredible figure um, yeah and there's a, i mean there's that's an entire podcast of himself uh cunningham but I guess this is a long-winded question, but the question is, do you see the fact that he's a British player playing in Real Madrid? Do you see that as a barrier or or do you wish to kind of put those concerns or, or myths to bed?
0: Great question. Um I think I see him as a kind of part of the new breed of English footballer, British footballer, um in that. They're very international. So, one of the problems with British footballers in the past was that they created players who couldn't play outside England. Like, they, they well, not couldn't, but just didn't fit in really. Like, they weren't technique based players. They weren't multi positional. They couldn't um, perform multiple roles. They were like, they were designed. And I'm going back to the 70s, 80s, 90s. is why people like Laurie Cunningham are, are interesting, is because they were different. But if you go back that far, I think you got a lot of players who, fit into a 442 who could um you know who would perform one of the kind of typical roles within that system bellingham is a he's a kind of he's he's typical of the kind of the, the new generation of player that that england has been trying to produce since probably uh about 2010 when kind of I think when, when England came back to 2010 World Cup, they sort of realized we have got a bit of a problem here with, you know, like it, it just doesn't work. You know, our, our Gerard, our Lampard, they don't translate into um into stars outside of the Premier League or they don't have some of the abilities, um the requisite abilities for international football. Bellingham's not like that. Bellingham is a um if you were to watch him in a park, right? If you and I were just walking around somewhere and you saw him kicking a ball with his friends, you wouldn't be able to tell where he grew up by the way he played, right? So in the same way that like maybe thirty years ago and you, you, if you'd walk past a you know a park in in uh in Valencia and you saw Pablo Aymar dribbling a football you'd be like he's a South American playmaker, right? Because just the whole thing is just it's so typical. Bellingham Bellingham could come from anywhere. He's just um he's a kind of a a child of the game, so to speak. That's pretty pretentious. But I think you know what I'm getting at. So I don't see that. I don't see that as an issue. It's worth remembering, too, that he's got two really supportive parents who have already dealt with this challenge. So when he lived in Dortmund, um, he wasn't actually old enough to drive when he got there. Um, And his mum was over here, his mother, Denise. um, And uh, I think she spent most of the time with him in Dortmund. His father, Mark, was over here a little bit. He's got a younger brother, Job, who's just signed for Sunderland. Um, So they were kind of balancing, obviously, um, two children, two different countries. So they, they know what they're about. And I'm sure that um, Real Madrid, given the amount of money invested, will do everything they can to kind of ease the adjustment. Um, But no, I've got no fears. Like 20 years ago, I think we all did. Like when you, you know, you never knew how See, Steve McMahon coming over to Real Madrid and Jonathan Woodgate, you never really knew what that was going to look like, right? But I think now he's a past trodden before and the game is an international one and the type of footballers that England produces are international in nature. Uh, And he, above all else, above above all others, really. Um, So no technical concerns. Like, uh, you know, I I expect it to go extremely well for him.
1: Seb, this was awesome. Thank you so much for uh, just putting some time aside for this podcast. I appreciate that a lot. Everyone, please go read Seb's article in The Athletic. It's linked in the show notes. You can click on it directly. Also, you can follow him on Twitter at SebSB and uh yeah seb thanks so much i really appreciate this no at all. thank you very much for having me all right thanks for listening guys and before we sign off here we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing madrid it's been an absolute honor getting to know you guys and seeing this real madrid family grow and you guys are a big part of it and we want to thank you and we also wanted to give a shout out to our $10 plus patrons specifically because if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get access to our entire back catalog, plus guaranteed responses to all of your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to these $10 plus patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Way Paring, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Royal Botcher, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh. Sheikh Atiri, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorzano, Samuli e. Justin, Samar Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Diafari, Oscar Barrera, Omar Barawani, Nicole Laxo, Nicholas Moller, Nick Robero, Nelson Masariego, Naveen Babu, Ramesh Babu, Mowgli, uh, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Maren Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Stavernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Osorio, John Fernandez, Jeff Sowa, Jason Fitz, Jacob P, Ian Marley, Howard Moore, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Grantakiro, Frederick Sundros, S.A. Davisito, Ernesto Gutierrez Vargas, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Connor McMorrow, Christian Toff, Krishna Costa, Brennan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L., Anthony Tharp, Anirudh Singh, Andres Silvestre, Ananya Kumar, Alex Thyberg, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalikovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Mahur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. You guys rock. Thank you so much. And halamari.